You're listening to The Sports Stove with host Vince Stover. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. NFL Draft Talk with my friend, the Bottom Line Lexington Podcast. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove. Welcome into today's Sports Stove Podcast. Today we have a special treat. It is our very first ever guest on the show. Although uh, Bob Costas and Tony Romo and Michael Irvin have been trying to get on the show, I've said not yet. I've got someone else I need to have on first. This is former writer for the Fantasy Football Index. He had over 10 years on Sports Talk in Atlanta, Georgia, and currently the mysterious host of the Bottom Line Lexington podcast. So today we'll call him just that, Bottom Line. Welcome into the podcast, Bottom Line. Thank you, Vince Stover. It's good to see you again. It's good to be reunited. So I'm glad to finally make an appearance on your podcast and to be the first ever guest on your podcast. If you narcs are out there looking for me to talk about something personal in my life or my current situation, uh, it ain't happening. So there's no use to listen to the rest of it because we're just going to talk sports. Back to you, Vince Stover. <laughs> All right. It is going to be on. I've been on the Bottom Line Lexington podcast many times. and I've always Too appreci- many, if you ask me. <laughs> that's neither here or there. I've always appreciated the invite and glad to have you on with us today. Today we're talking about the NFL draft, the only thing that's going on in the sports world these Thank days. Thank God for the NFL draft. <laughs> I don't understand why we can't have golf. Why can't we have some guys out on the golf course? They can keep their six-foot distance. Uh, we should at least be able to have that. But instead, we're watching marble racing and and WWE. Uh, did you watch that last night, by the way? I did not. <clears throat> Me neither. All right. <laughs> so back to it. NFL if, draft. If, if it wasn't Macho Man versus Hulk Hogan, I'm not watching wrestling anymore. I, I think that was on Wednesday night. Rest, uh, rest in peace, <laughs> Macho Man. God bless you, my friend. All right, so we're going to talk NFL Draft today, and I want to get your thoughts on a few things that I've already covered on a solo pod, but now uh, good to have some different opinions in. So let's start off with the hot topic in the NFL Draft, and that is the quarterback situation. Uh, There's really, it seems like, four top quarterbacks and then everybody else behind them. So let's start off with this question first. How many quarterbacks do you think are going in the first round this year? Well, our friends out in the desert say four and a half is the number that will be going in the first round, but a lot of juice to the under, minus 180 to the under, so I'm going to follow the money on this one. I think you're looking at four quarterbacks in the first round. Now, where those quarterbacks are taken, especially Herbert and Love, those are the things you have to look at, Vince. Good. So the question here is, and I didn't mention this in the introduction, but uh, bottom line is my uh, degenerate gambling friend. And so, <laughs> so, now, why do you have to put degenerate in front of gambling? That's just a cheap shot. <laughs> uh, so everything that comes from the bottom line is the bottom line. It's all statistical. It's all numbers. And so that's why it is called the Bottom Line Lexington Podcast. Uh, so I want to make sure I add that in there. Uh, four and a half, yeah, that almost sounds like Trubisky's back in the draft with half a quarterback. But nonetheless, uh, let's talk about these quarterbacks then. Uh, Burrow or Tua, number one? Burrow, obviously, the best season in the history of college football. You could argue that. Right now, the desert says minus 3,500, but he is a huge favorite. In other words, it's 35 to 1 that he will not be picked number one. But my thing is this, and I mentioned this in a little column I wrote. Back in 1999, the worst draft pick in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll get over draft histories later on in the show, Achilles Smith. Back in that year, Ricky Williams was the big running back in town. Mike Ditka, then coach of the Saints, if you can remember, he was actually coach of the Saints. He offered nine picks to the Bengals that year for that number three spot, 
where the Bengals eventually took Achilles Smith, and the Bengals said, nah, we're good. Ditka then gave those nine picks to the Redskins, and Washington used those nine picks to draft a bunch of bums, apparently, because they didn't make <laughs> anything out of it. But if a, a team is going to offer maybe three ones for Joe Burrow, yeah, I think I would take it. Joe Burrow had a great season. He also had a great surrounding cast. Yep. So if a team is willing to trade up and give you, you know, magic beans for Joe Burrow, <laughs> I think I would take it. So the question right now is Miami has the, got the big talk about possibly trading up in the draft. Um, most are saying they actually want Tua over Burrow. So even if they moved up to number one, they would still take Tua. Um, the question is, well, let's come back to that in just a moment. But with the quarterbacks, um, Burrow, the greatest season in college football history. Tua's stats, though, are not far behind. Actually has a better overall quarterback rating than Burrow in his college career. But, of course, Burrow was a one-year wonder. Was okay in the previous season, but this year was great. Definitely wasn't great in 2018. Tua, his problem is injury, but his his numbers are pretty good in the, the couple seasons that he got to play with Alabama. Back to Burrow. Yep. If you're Urban Meyer and you took Dwayne Haskins, and told Joe Burrow, hey, we're okay, quarterback. You you want to leave town? Go ahead and leave town. I've got these guys. We're going to go with these guys. If you're Joe Burrow, you win that Heisman Trophy. You don't mention Urban Meyer you know, at that Heisman <laughs> Trophy ceremony. Thank you, Urban Meyer, for letting me leave so that I could actually win the Heisman and stick it up your you-know-what. <laughs> Edit that out if you want to, Vince Dover. But these quarterbacks, the thing, the, the thing that the team that – I think holds all the cards right here is Detroit. Yep. Do you want to stick with Stafford, who you've had for 11 years now? Do you want to stick with that and knowing what you get, the mediocrity you get, knowing the overpaying that you're doing for Mr. Stafford? Or do you want to go out and maybe get a Tua and get a guy who might electrify the franchise, a guy that might put, pump some blood in that franchise that you haven't had since the day Calvin Johnson retired? That's where Detroit is where this entire draft hinges upon. If you, especially if you're looking at Tua and the quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know Detroit, I forget who it was now, but a player came out, I think yesterday, and on Twitter on a video said, or maybe on Instagram on a video, uh, told Patricia, if you want to keep your job next year, pass on Tua. And uh, so the idea is let's win this year and focus on that as opposed to focusing on the future, which obviously a veteran player cares more about than anything else. But Patricia does have to think about his job, and the drafting um, authority in Detroit have to think about their jobs as well and how will it work out. I think right now there's so much sentimentality, um, which I know you hate, but with Matt Stafford and everything his wife has gone through and Detroit has kind of rallied around them, Stafford's not the problem in Detroit uh, right now anyhow. I don't think that they're going to go quarterback here, at least not with their first pick. And I think that you're going to see – but that seems the most likely spot for the first trade to come in is that number three spot. Although I've heard that um, uh, just through other professional podcasts that – um, Detroit's asking price right now for that number three is basically the same asking price that Cincinnati would have. And so the question is, is well, should we just go up to number one and go ahead and get who we want at number one? If we're going to pay that price anyhow, why take the risk and go to number three? Without Stafford last year, they went three, 12, and one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, it's not, they've got to do something. Yeah. So, you know, and who remembers the quarterbacks that they had back there? I think they had Eric Kramer and Eric Kippel <laughs> were the backup quarterbacks last year. Rodney Pete may have made an appearance. I don't Andre know. Ware, Jerry Danielson, Greg Landry. I'm going way too far back, ladies and gentlemen. That's neither here nor there. 
But if you go 3-12-1 and, and your quarterback missed most of the year, and now your coach, who is another one of Belichick's disciples, who looks like he's going to be failing, yeah, do you have the luxury of trading all these picks maybe for picks down the line when you don't know if you'll be there down the line? So that's why you see a lot of these first-year GMs, a lot of these first-year coaches, they'll go out and they'll take their franchise quarterback first year because the pressure's not on them yet. The pressure is on a guy like Patricia in his third year now, Hey, there's no way they're going to get away from Stafford when the numbers say they probably should. Right, and I think Patricia, too, knows. I mean, he should have been fired this year. <laughs> um, man, everybody's calling for it, and he still got his, kept his job. And uh, so, yeah, I think I think the Lions are going to pass on quarterback and take advantage, uh, they're hoping at least, for trades to come. The next two quarterbacks that are being talked about the most are Jordan Love from Utah State and Justin Herbert from Oregon. Uh, two different styles of play. Herbert's been being talked about since before last college football season. Everybody talked about him as maybe being the best quarterback out there. By the end of the season, now he's either number three or number four on people's lists. And then Love has made this jump up the draft. I have my thoughts on those guys, but let me go ahead and start with your thoughts on Love and Herbert. Bill Parcells. You ever heard of him, Stover? I have. The coach, yeah. yeah. Hall yeah. of Fame, yeah. Coach the tuna. Giants back in the day, yeah. Big tuna. He has these things called the quarterback commandments. Okay. And they're kind of prerequisites for things that you want, want in a quarterback when you're drafting them out of college. One of the things that he, it is listed on these commandments is that a quarterback must come from a power five school okay that rules out uh, jordan love yep must be a three-year starter in college well that counts herbert that also counts out Tua. also counts out joe burrow yep must be a senior and graduate from college must start 30 games and win 23 games those are the and must complete 60 percent of their passes this is bill parcells and of these first four quarterbacks that are going in this first round who can come up with those numbers? Herbert can come up with those numbers. So if you're looking at maybe a team, a guy who's rising up draft boards, it's Herbert. Now, does Justin Love deserve this? I don't know. He didn't. He played at Utah State. The one time he got a chance this year was against Wake Forest. They lost that game. Is you is is Jordan Love? If he's so good, don't you think he would have dominated at Utah State, uh, the Big Sky Conference? Or whatever the conference they're at. Yeah, so if you ask me, Joe Burrow, I would take all offers for Joe Burrow. I definitely would take all offers for Tua. I wouldn't stretch and go for Jordan Love. Herbert is the only guy. Now, knowing all these things, all these quarterbacks are always overvalued in these drafts. Yeah. They always get picked too early, unless you're Lamar Jackson. So it's uh, an act, a question of, do you need a quarterback, and are you willing to pay for Justin Herbert? I think a lot of teams are because Justin Herbert was able to do a lot of things in college that these other quarterbacks that are being first-round selection projections were not able to do. So you would take Herbert over Love then? Herbert over Love, and the Vegas, uh, the, our friends out in the desert agree with me. Herbert a big minus 340 favorite over the plus 240 Love in terms of who's going first in the draft. Now, do I expect Jordan Love to go way earlier than he should? Yeah, because quarterbacks do. But still, Herbert is the better pick right here, and the Vegas people agree with me. Yeah, mock drafts are a big joke, but <laughs> I've seen Love now starting to look down into the 20s uh, in mock drafts. I think 
a lot of this is people wanting him to end up somewhere. So uh, I've seen him in New England late in the first round, and I think that's just a thought of people saying, oh, it would be really cool if this quarterback dropped to the Patriots. Uh, I know that, that Green Bay has actually looked at and talked with uh, him as well, so maybe there is some thought he's going to fall to that point. I don't see it happening. I think he's going at the very least uh, before 20. Um, I personally don't trust it. I don't think that Jordan loves a guy, not for first round, that I would draft if if I could. I'm not a big fan of Herbert either. I, to me, his uh, he wasn't enough of a winner in college, and I didn't see him being able to come through in in, in big time situations. Now you can argue that, of course, Peyton Manning never beat Florida, but he did win a whole lot of other games as well. And uh, so I think that for me, I like Herbert more than Love. But if I was a team, I'd pass on both of them, especially in the first round. They'd be great second round values, but in the first round, it's just not somebody that I would feel comfortable enough going with as my future quarterback. Mel Kuyper, in his latest mock draft, has Jordan Love going to New England at number 23. Yeah. Do you honestly see Belichick <laughs> picking a quarterback at 23? I would say probably not. Uh, no he seems way. like the kind of guy that wants to see, wants to show how smart he is. So he's going to take a guy in the second or third round. And there he's going to be the guy. But, I mean, you look at Stidham. Is Stidham the guy in New England? Everyone's saying there's no way Stidham can be the guy in New Matt England. Matt Castle was the guy in New England for a year. And yeah. he parlayed that into like $40 million. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Belichick, let me tell you, and I was saving this for New England, but I can't save it anymore. <laughs> if I had to put my hard-earned money on one coach right now to be coach of the year, it would be Bill Belichick because you know he's got one thing and one thing only on his mind this year, <laughs> and that's to prove to everyone that it wasn't Tom Brady that got him those six Super Bowls. It was his genius. So you don't think he's going to coach people up? You don't think this is the one year of all his entire career where he is more fired up than ever? And we don't like to use the fired up term, but when it comes to Belichick, he is out to prove something this year. I would never bet against him. Whatever you can get for him being coach of the year, I would take it and run with it because he, I can tell you right now, they will win the AFC East hands down. No well, matter who the quarterback is. I picked this this past year, I picked New England to win their division. And as the Super Bowl team, uh, I was scared. I picked Kansas City, but I was scared to make against New England because of Brady and Belichick. I think Belichick's going to fall on his face this year. Oh, no. I, you, betting against Belichick will put you in the poorhouse <laughs> quick. I'm here to tell you. Uh, that's where I think it's going to be a massive – unless he brings in an experienced quarterback – uh, which there's none. I mean, maybe if Cam Newton can come back from injury and they sign him and he's healthy, then okay, maybe I'm back on board. But at this point, going in with Stidham or Hoyer um, or some rookie quarterback, to me, I think it's a system issue, and I think Tom Brady fit the system perfectly. I don't think there's a quarterback out there right now that fits that system perfectly. As of this morning, our friends in the desert say that Stidham is minus 200 to be the quarterback for an opening day for New England. So the experts out in the desert say Stidham's the guy. So you, you like to follow the money. They know a lot more than we do. <laughs> so it's, it looks like it's going to be Stidham barring a Andy Dalton-type trade, which I do not see happening whatsoever. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Let me go back to that idea, though, about systems. Um, 
everyone's a system quarterback. You can that's I think that's true to some degree or another. There are some quarterbacks that can maybe play multiple systems, but at the end of the day, systems everything. Why did Joe Burrow have a great senior year or last year at, at LSU? It's because of the system he was in. They brought in a new offensive coordinator and it fit perfectly to what Burrow did. So looking at these top four quarterbacks, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and Love a lot of their success is going to be dependent on the system they play in. And I go, I always go back to Chicago with this here recently because Trubisky, it's not that he doesn't have any talent. It's that they haven't put the system in place in the year two for him that worked for him. And because of that, now it's going to be Foles that's going to take over in Chicago. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, but, I mean, Burrow going to Cincinnati – a lot of the success lies on what system they run in Cincinnati. Tua going anywhere, same thing. If you're not, if you're the Bengals, yep. you have the number one pick, and you say, "Okay, we're going to take Joe Burrow." How come you don't open up the Brinks truck and bring in Joe Brady, the offensive <laughs> right. coordinator from LSU? How come you don't go down there and get him? Come on up here and call our plays. Yeah, the Bengals don't operate like that. But in a perfect world, you say, hey, we're going to draft Burrow, we're going to bring his offensive coordinator, and all of a sudden now, you've got something, a semblance exact, apparently, of what you had at LSU. At least you have some familiarity. Why they didn't do that was beyond me, but then again... It's the Bengals, and we should expect the unexpected from the Bengals. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you, they bring in uh, Taylor as their coach last year. He's supposed to be this young offensive guru because he came from McVeigh. And, you know, it's just it's, – it's an ego issue. It's a – you don't want to say that you're wrong after one year. Um, a lot of people thought Taylor would get fired last year, and he didn't. And so they're putting their faith and confidence in him. It'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll get to Cincinnati in a moment as well. Let's talk about two uh, – well, let's talk about three other quarterbacks. Two I like, one I hate. And uh, But see your thoughts on these. Jake Fromm from Georgia, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma slash Alabama, and then Jacob Eason from out west in Washington. Um, your thought? you have any thoughts on those those three guys? Our friends out in the desert say that Hurts should be a third-round pick. It's when they think he'll go. But are, are you really putting your the state of your franchise, the future of your franchise, on Jay, on Hurts, especially Jacob Fromm at Georgia, who probably needed to stay another year? But then again, Jacob Fromm ran off two quarterbacks. One of them is going to get drafted, Jacob Eason, uh, Eason from Washington. Mm-hmm. Another one is probably going to win the Heisman next year at Ohio State. So... <laughs> Is Fromm really that good? The numbers say no, especially last year, and you'd think that he would improve over time, but if you look at his numbers, he's actually declined since his freshman, sophomore year going into to his junior year. So do, am I excited about any of those quarterbacks? Not at all, and that's why they're not even being looked at in the first or second rounds. All right, so here's my thoughts on these guys. Eason's the one I don't like. I don't think he's 59% completion percentage in college. He did get run off by Jake Fromm, uh, 39 touchdowns, 16 picks, and 132 uh, quarterback rating. I'm not excited about that. Everybody's like, oh, he's got the talent, and he's got the size, and at 6'6", 227, but Eason's off my board. I'm not taking him. Fromm and Hurts are two other things. I compare both of them to Deshaun Watson. They both are winners in college, and they won consistently in college. Fromm, 6'2", 220. The argument about him is he does not have the strength in his arm uh, to make the big throws. Uh, but he had a lot, lot of success in Georgia, going 46-7 and seven over his career, 78 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. And uh, I really like what he did in college from a winning standpoint. I don't see him coming in year one and making an impact, but I see him as a guy, if he comes in to an older quarterback situation uh, like Indianapolis or maybe even Tampa, could be potential for him down the road. 
Jalen Hurts, I'm growing and growing and growing in my love for Jalen Hurts right now. Looking and, and watching, listening to him. He was on an interview with Rich Eisen uh, this past week. And, you know, when you want, what I want out of a quarterback is a leader and someone who can control a, a room well. Baker Mayfield, a little too immature for me. Uh, Jalen Hurts comes in. Uh, he's got a 49 and 4 record as a starter in college football. Now, we know he lost out his job to Tua. We know that Saban picked Tua over Jalen Hurts. Oh, we understand all of that. 80 touchdowns. 20 interceptions, throwing the ball. That is not counting his rushing touchdowns, which are a lot of those as well. 65% completion percentage over his career as a starter as well. Uh, to me, Jalen Hurts, and I would not take him in the first round, but again, late second round, I think third round's a great value for Hurts. If you're able to bring him in to sit for a year or two, um, but again, it's going to come down to system for him too. He's going to have to be in the right system. But everything in the NFL is leading to the system that worked for Jalen Hurts. And so I think there's a better chance. I trust Hurts and Fromm more than I trust Herbert and Love, although I would not take them in the first round. Let me give you a little history lesson, lesson here. <laughs> All right. Stover, the year is 1983. A Hall of Famer named Dan Marino is sitting in his living room just waiting for his name to be called. And he won't hear his name called for a long time in that draft. That the seventh overall pick was a guy named Todd Blackledge <laughs> from Penn State. Now, when you listen to that, and I've watched, there, there's a 30 for 30 on that draft. Yep. What do they all say about Todd Blackledge? Oh, he's a winner. He just came <laughs> off a championship year at Penn State. Well, being a winner in college is great, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Because Dan Marino won a few games at Pitt, not as many as Penn State <laughs> did, but he still was a much better quarterback. So winning is nice, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And if you talk about interviews, Jalen Hurts was on an interview and said this and said that. Did you see K- uh, Kyler Murray on Dan Patrick last year before the oh, draft? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He couldn't get two words. Dan Patrick said it's still, to this day, one of the worst interviews he's ever done. Definitely. Because Kyler Murray couldn't say a word without looking off stage and looking at his father, who apparently was <laughs> shaking his fist at him the whole time. So, yeah. Being able to interview right now, not exactly my big thing. Sure. So, yeah. All these things about winning and being able to be a good interview, that's great to talk about. But can you put wins on the board and can you complete passes in the NFL? That's what none of us know until we see it. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out what is that end-all, be-all. Was there one number that stood out that made a, a surefire pick at quarterback? Because I look back at guys in the past, guys that are playing currently in the NFL, and, and looking at their numbers in college and different things and completion percentage, quarterback rating, all that kind of stuff, touchdown to interception ratio, nothing was consistent as far as if you can have this completion percentage then you're going to be great in the pros if you can have this whatever there is no one thing that you can look at and go this is guaranteed to work uh in the nfl i think it all again comes back to system kyler murray is a perfect example of that arizona went all in on kyler murray brought in the system that's going to fit him he's successful in his rookie season and we anticipate him getting better in the seasons to come as well Quarterbacks are the funnest thing to talk about in the draft uh but there is just there's there's nothing that you can know for certain about a quarterback you made a great point about Arizona and Murray. Why didn't the Bengals do that with Burrow and, and <laughs> right. Brady? That's another story altogether. But you still got some free agents out there. Cam yes. Newton, where is he going to end up? 
And Andy Dalton, is he going to sit there behind Joe Burrow all year, or is he going to mentor him? Yeah, that's the biggest. <laughs> you think Brett Favre ever mentored Aaron Rodgers? No, no. he did not. No. He didn't want to do that at all. Where's Jameis Winston? He is the 30-30 man himself. Yep. Where is he going to end up? These are all still questions. Jacksonville sitting out there. They need a quarterback. What are the Bengals going to do? Miami, are they going to take Tua or maybe go after Cam Newton or one of these free agents? This quarterback carousel has still not ended yet, and where these three guys, especially Cam, Dalton, and Winston, where they end is going to determine a lot about this draft and who picks these quarterbacks later in the draft. Definitely. And I want to come back to that thought in just a few minutes when we come back down, talking about draft needs in the teams and things like that, because I think there's some perfect fits for Jameis Winston, and I think some really good fits for Cam Newton uh, as well. All right, let's go into running backs for a minute. Let's look at a few of these quarterbacks. We talked about looking at more than likely four quarterbacks taken in the first round. Then the argument comes to running backs is is it ever worth taking a running back in the first round because it seems like you can find talented running backs all throughout the draft yet there's some guys here this year's draft that are really really good to me there's four uh, top running backs you can include a fifth as well Uh, but let's talk about running backs in the first round should you take them or shouldn't you our friends out the desert say half there will be a half running back taken. Now, <laughs> half running back taken in the first round. Now, the over has a lot of the juice, so all the experts have taken the over in this one. But still, 0.5 running backs. When we first started watching football, Vince Stover, it was all about the running backs. The Eric Dickersons of the world, the people like that. Everybody wanted those stud running backs. Now, you can't even give them away hardly in the first round. DeAndre Swift is the guy who the people out in the desert say is going to be the first running back taken. I know you're a big fan of Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Do you really want to take a running back? I'm like you. If you don't get one of the best ones like Swift, why bother and why waste a first-round pick when you can get somebody else? And anybody these days, apparently, can run the football for 1,000 yards in the NFL. Yeah, I think you have to look at, too, right now everybody's saying you get a running back for uh, maybe his first two contracts, uh, maybe six years uh, total, and then you let go of them after that. You're seeing Todd Gurley being a good example of that right now. But you got guys like Saquon Barkley who are obviously impactful and change the game. Ezekiel Elliott's that way. Dalvin Cook is similar uh, as well in that way. Uh, to me, it's it is if you've got the if you can get the best running back, then why not take him? But you're also looking at right now. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL that desperately need running backs. Uh, there's really very few of them. I've got seven teams that could use running backs new running backs but at the same time of those seven teams most of them already have a solid number one running back so you're looking for a change of pace or a guy that's going to take over when you don't want to re-sign your current running back to a big contract in the first round i think there's only about two teams um that that makes sense to take running back in the first round i think there's only two running backs worth taking in the first round with deandre swift and jonathan taylor Uh, i'm a huge jonathan taylor fan i'd take him over deandre swift his numbers in college back up that he's a better running back but that also shows you that he may have more wear and tear already in college he's not another ron dane is that what you're saying? <laughs> it depends on what team he goes to. He, he might be. If Jerry um, Rice had been drafted by the Bengals, we would not know who Jerry <laughs> Rice is today. Yeah. Yeah. So Jonathan Taylor had last season alone had over 2,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, and then he surprised me and surprised a lot of people at the combine running a 4.39. Now, obviously, combine numbers are just whatever, but um, what were you showing that athleticism uh, there and that quickness that can be there? I like Jonathan Taylor. He has fumble issues. 
Um, you know, I, I'm a Packer fan. They don't desperately need a running back, so I, I wouldn't take them in the first round because of that uh, for that team. But there are other teams out there. I think the Jets are a team to watch for, but they, they're not going to go running back in the first round. Titans as well. They lost their backup running back. They just re-signed uh, Henry, so they're, they're probably not looking the first round. Tampa needs a running back desperately. And then I think Kansas City is another team to watch for first-round running backs-wise. Um, they've got good running backs but not great running backs. And if they can land one of these two, then that's just going to help them. They have no no space in, in, in the calf to sign free agents. Uh, they need to hit on these draft picks. They only have five, I think, this year, the low, least amount in the draft. And I think Kansas City and Tampa are the two to watch in the first round for running backs. If I said that a running back in two seasons uh, had 2,048 yards and 17 touchdowns, and both of those years he had over 1,000 yards rushing, would you say that that would be a good player? You would assume so, yeah. You would assume so. That that man's name is Philip Lindsay, who is a running back of Denver, yeah. who was an undrafted player yep. two years ago. Now he's a pro bowler with two straight 1,000-yard seasons. That just goes to show you, running backs, especially in today's day and age, do you really need to spend a high draft pick if they're not head and shoulders above the, re- above the rest? Probably not. It's also a great picture that you need two of them because Lindsley's always had a second guy with him. This year, probably the best one he's ever had, Melvin Gordon getting signed uh, from uh, uh, the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers. And even though he has produced and produced and produced, yet still they see the need to bring in another great or very good running back in Melvin Gordon. And so that's why these teams that may not you might not look at and go, oh, yeah, they need a running back because they've got somebody. That doesn't mean that they're not going to bring in a second guy. People like Indianapolis, Detroit, Seattle, you know, they've got good running backs, but they can add another really good running back and be even better in that that area of the team uh, as well. Uh, there's three other running backs that are being discussed as the top running backs: uh, LSU's Clyde Edwards-Helaire, uh, Utah's Zach Moss. I haven't seen any games of Utah. I have no idea how good he is, other than what his stats say. And then Ohio State's J.K. Dobbins, um, who has very similar numbers to Jonathan Taylor: 2,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, ran a 4.5 in the combine this year. Um, so for me, Dobbins stands out more than Moss because I've heard of him. I've seen him play. Uh, Zach Moss at Utah only 1,400 yards last season, 15 touchdowns downs and I've seen him going anywhere from late first round to the third round uh, so they're running backs is I think a bigger uh, question mark than quarterbacks because quarterbacks get valued high you kind of know where they're going to go running backs even really good college running backs could slide into day two or possibly day three of the draft um, guys that that are better than maybe the quarterbacks that are getting drafted it's just how they're valued in the nfl right now is not as high so they're going to go later uh, in the draft i'm going to say two running backs in the first round that's my guess i think swift and taylor both go um so i take the over on that half a running back uh, that, that vegas has well it's it's there's a lot of money on the over i'll take over but i'll say one i'll say it's only going to be swift i don't think jonathan taylor makes the first round that'll be a Bucket of pride that you and I can put on that one, Vince Dover. <laughs> All right, very good. Georgia running backs have a good history. Yes, they uh, do. Especially recently and, well, and throughout history. And so I think it's a safe bet to go uh, uh, there with Swift, and I assume the professionals know more than me, so we'll say Swift probably goes one. Personally, I like Taylor uh, better. All right, let's shift over to wide receivers. 
There's a lot of talk about a lot of receivers going in the first round. There is uh, definitely a strength of the draft right now in wide receivers. And, uh, you know, sitting there, there's a couple of seniors, most of them juniors, uh, three-year players in college, and uh, coming out. Who do you like in the wide receivers, or maybe who's your top five? Uh, Judy and Lamb are easily one-two in my book. Our friends out in the desert say there's going to be five and a half receivers taken in the first round. A little bit of juice to the over of that one. So a lot of people are thinking six or more in terms of where the public money's going right now. But yeah, it's Judy and Lamb for me, and then the rest are a little bit kind of a second tier below that. But yeah, it's those two guys for me, and it's just depending on where those guys fall. You don't see these guys in these mocks. You don't see these guys going in the one, two, or three. But you said, like, I'm looking at Mel Kuyper's draft right now, and he's got Judy going to the 49ers at 13. And after that, you just see kind of the avalanche of receivers coming in. Yeah, I think most people are looking at number 11. Uh, the Jets seem to be a very likely place for a receiver to go. Um, and anything after that, it's all going to fall into place uh, from there. The question is, is which receivers? I have four receivers in the top uh top tier so to say uh with judy lamb then i have lsu's jefferson and clemson's higgins uh in there in the top four the one guy that that's getting the most buzz it seems like right now is henry ruggs the third out of alabama because he's just a speedster like crazy um i i'm just looking at the numbers and i gotta admit he seems vastly overrated to me uh to be the number three receiver taken in the first round well, there's two things. Like you said, the 427 at the combine, and it says Alabama after his name. Right. So that helps him in a lot of ways. It's a wonder the Raiders don't trade up to get him because, you know, he's the next Darius Hayward Bay. But if, <laughs> because we all know that all you got to do is have speed and the Raiders will take you. But yeah, he's a guy that he's one of those uh, feast or famine kind of guys. He's either going to hit it big or he's going to be a huge bust. That's why he's not on the top of my receiver list in terms of guys I would pick. Yeah, I'm looking at, he's not. Uh, he's not super big. He's not tiny, but he's 5'11", 188. Last season, he had 40 catches, which is less than any other of the top 10 receivers in the draft. Um, he has seven touchdowns last season as well. And I'm just looking at this, these numbers, and I'm thinking, you know, he was better, it seems like, in 18 than he was in 19 to a degree. He had 11 touchdowns in 2018. And, uh, but... Still, it's just sitting here looking at this going, he doesn't seem like the guy that's just so obvious. Everybody's saying he's obviously going to be this great guy. Uh, I've heard his name with the Jets as a better fit with the Jets than Judy or Lamb. Uh, to me, it's a guy that has all the 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 buzz right now but maybe not the stats to back up the buzz i'm sure he's a good player he played at alabama and if you're if you're at alabama you're not a bad player but uh is he one of the top three receivers i don't think so i have him five or even six on my list uh just looking at numbers and, and again i go back to guys i've seen justin jefferson play uh more than some of these other guys uh he looks really really good on the field he's got good size at 61202 he's got good speed at 443 last season he had 111 catches and uh so he's produced in college as well I like him. T. Higgins and Clemson. I'm a big, uh, I, I like Clemson. I'm not, I don't cheer for Clemson. They're not my favorite team, but I like Clemson a lot. Uh, T. Higgins has got the size at 6'4. He's got good speed at 4'5'4. Four, four. And then 13 touchins, touchdowns last year. He produced two straight years in a row uh, playing solid football 
for a top-tier college football team. Uh, so I'm a fan. I got, I got Judy and Lamb up there at the top as well. I, I think Judy is number one in my book, although I've seen CeeDee Lamb number one in many people as well. Um, Todd McShay uh, says that, that Judy is the best route runner he's ever viewed um and you don't know how much of that's for clicks and whatever from there but uh, i'm in on jerry judy i'm in on cd lamb as well and uh cd lamb's got good size I, he sounds his name sounds like a small person cd lamb he's got good size as well so i yeah i think those two are number one after that it's a little bit more uh, of a guessing game uh you've got the kid from Arizona State, I believe, um, Ayuk, and then you've got Pittman from USC, Mims from Baylor's getting a lot of talk right now too. Of course, he's uh, got great size uh, as well uh, as Pittman. So there's a lot of guys out there. Um, I'm looking at, I think five will go in the first round, but I I'm, I see probably about ten guys that seem to be in a good first through second round uh, talent. So you're going to take under my five and a half. Yeah. Receivers. So there's another bucket of pride right there, Vince Dover. <laughs> I'll take the over on receivers. I think they're going to, especially mid and late this round, they're going to, they're, those receivers are going to fly off the board. Wide receivers is a fun topic this year, especially with the amount of talent that's there. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, and they desperately need a solid number two wide receiver. So I'm hoping for one of these guys, especially Jefferson or T. Higgins, to fall to them there in the late first round. But will they take them? Probably not. They'll probably go with an offensive lineman, and it won't be. It won't matter anyways. All right, first round. When do you think the first trade will be in the first round? I'm thinking it's Detroit. I, that's just me. I think we're going one, two. They're going to pretty much go as is. With Chase Young, the linebacker defensive end, going to Washington. And then Detroit's going to pull something because when you're desperate, sometimes you make decisions you might not normally make. (laughs) And Detroit right now, their general manager and their coach, they're both seemingly on borrowed time. And if they don't produce this year, that time may have run out. So, yes, I see a draft trade of some sort with Detroit in the first round. But I'm in the minority of thinking that. Why would you, if you're Detroit, do you want to just pick some, you know, cornerback or somebody that's going to help you this year? Or do you want to trade down and say, hey, if, even if we do stink, look at all these draft picks we traded for for next year. We can use that to kind of stick around. Well, and the talk right now is you're talking about teams like the Chargers or the Dolphins trading up to get a quarterback at three, which means that they're not going to be moving down too far. And uh, you're talking about uh, Akuda, the cornerback from Ohio State, and Simmons, the linebacker uh, from Clemson, are really the, the next two guys after Young and Burrow that aren't quarterbacks. And uh, so who, Detroit can move down just a couple spots and still get one of the top three players in the draft, possibly, if they don't move too far down. Who would you rather start the season with? Matthew Stafford is your quarterback, and he's been there 12 years. We know what to expect. Or Tua, a guy like Tua or one of these Herbert-type quarterbacks where you can say, hey, we're going to pin our future on this guy because we've had 12 years of Matthew Stafford, and it hasn't been very good. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I still think Detroit needs to stick with Stafford longer. I, I said in a podcast um, a couple, well, a month or so ago now, I thought Stafford would have been perfect in Indianapolis, uh, and they could have traded him down there for that, get Brissett up in uh, Detroit with Patricia, who he knows and has worked with, and then draft a quarterback uh, there in Detroit at number three. That's obviously not going to happen with Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis uh, earlier in free agency. Uh, but I think you're talking about if you can go into this year with Matthew Stafford at quarterback and then add someone like Akuda at cornerback since you got rid of Darius Slay, um, it seems like for Detroit that makes the most sense for this year. But again, the question is, is how 
I don't think Patricia's going to be planning too far for the future, um, more so for the now. So that's what I think they'll go with. I think it's the perfect trade spot. They're in a perfect position with Miami with all the first-round picks they have. It's the it's a perfect year to be sitting at number three when when you know pretty much who the first two picks are going to be. Right. I love chaos and anarchy, but you said it yourself. It is Stafford. With him last year, they were three, four, and one. Without him, they were zero and eight. Yeah, that's basically all you need to know. <laughs> that's it. I think there's there's a little bit of talk about Miami moving up to number one. I just don't see that happening. Uh, there's some talk about the Redskins moving down as well. But to me, if you're in a position to pick the best player in the draft, which Washington's going to be in that position, you got to take that that pick. Uh, there, Chase Young will be a great addition to Washington's defense, and, uh, and I think with Ron Rivera being there, uh, you know, I think that's the kind of football they're going to play is, is defense and run the ball. Washington, very yeah. interesting situation. Drafting <clears throat> number two. If you don't believe in Haskins, do you go out and get Tua? Do you go out and get a quarterback right here? And let's just be honest, Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. Who did he bring in to be his quarterback this year? Not Cam Newton. <laughs> right, Kyle Allen. But Kyle Allen, <laughs> yeah. who he was a coach of last year at Carolina, who wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Right. So what does that say, A, about Cam Newton, B, about what he thinks about Kyle Allen, C, what does he think about Dwayne Haskins, who the first game he won last year, and basically the only game he won, he was <laughs> off celebrating while somebody else had to go in and run the clock out. Yeah, I think, you know, Washington's a, an interesting team. They have been for a long time just because of how crazy they are. Um, and I think, you know, you got Rivera who comes in and he's seen Haskins, but it's not like he knows him well. And then, but you've got also Snyder who is the wild card in any situation in Washington. And from everything that everybody's saying is he loves Dwayne Haskins. He's the quarterback that Snyder wants on this team. And so for that reason, if it wasn't Snyder, then there'd be a chance I think they'd take someone like Tua too. But I think they're sticking with what they got. Kyle Allen comes in. It's a very nice piece for a backup quarterback that can maybe win you a few games if Haskins goes down hurt or is just really, really bad again this season. And then they can go next year and go out and get the top quarterback in the draft possibly next year and Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. So it's it's kind of a win-win for, for Washington. You can get better now by getting a defensive player. And if your offense is really, really bad, well, hey, you get get a good pick next year and maybe get the best quarterback in the draft. We're living in a different world now than we have been in the past in terms of football with this coronavirus. If you're a guy like Trevor Lawrence, if you're one of these guys who are projected to be a first-round pick next year, mm-hmm. do you even bother playing this coming season? Is it going to be a shortened season? Is it going to be a season moved up? Is it going to be moved back? Do you even bother whatsoever playing? If I'm a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I don't even know if I try this year to even play because the only thing it could do to my draft position is hurt it. Well, it, I think it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to be the number one draft pick, then maybe you consider not playing. And again, a lot of that comes down to what happens with the season. You won't know that till, till we get closer to the fall. But if your goal is to, to be the best quarterback you can be and to make it long in the NFL, I think you do play. I think if your draft stock goes down, then what you're looking at is you're getting put on a better team in the draft next year. Um, I think that, again, it just depends on what your goals are. Everybody wants to be number one. No one wants to be number two. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm really I'm anti that kid should sit and not play. I'm anti that in basketball. I'm anti it in football. I think you signed up to play football for the school. You go play football for the school. Um, you know, you can get hurt in a car wreck. I, I know that's a silly argument, but 
and there's so many different ways that you can that you can end your career and and playing football to me is is as safe as driving driving down the highway. Did you fault Leonard Fournette and Christian <clears throat> McCaffrey a couple years ago when they were first round draft picks at running back and they set out their bowl games? I, I did, yeah. I mean, I wanted them to play. Okay. Now, having said that, I I understand what they're doing. Uh, same thing with uh, Bosa this last year at Ohio State. I understand why they're doing it, and it's it's their decision, not mine. I, I get all that, um, but to me, I, if you don't want to, you're there to play. And if you're not going to play, then what's the point of going? Uh, I mean, you know, Tua could have sat out after after coming in and played one game in the championship game. He could have sat out and and not hurt his hip and all that kind of stuff. But I think, and especially these guys that are in the top schools in the nation, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the LSUs, these guys are getting better by playing. And it's going to help their career long-term to continue to learn and to grow and to improve in areas and take that risk uh, than it would be otherwise. Tua has multiple injuries, and he's still going to be drafted in the top three more than likely, and he's still going to make his money, and he's still going to have an opportunity to play and, and, you know, to me, I just don't like it when they sit out uh, for fear of injury or whatever it may be. To me, it's the it's it's a sign of where our society is today. We're getting weaker mentally. And uh, I just personally, I like to see them play. I, they, it's their decision. It's their family's decision. They make the decision that's best for them. So in that sense, I don't fault them. But looking at it from the outside, I want them to play. I don't think they should sit just because they're waiting to get drafted. Right. You want them to play because you're a fan. <clears throat> right. Because we're all fans of watching these sports, and we're all fans of you know trying to pick winners or whatever. But you want them. But in the bottom line, no pun intended, they've got to <laughs> think about their future. If they're Definitely. playing in worthless bowl games, I don't care whatsoever for them. I think if you're a quarterback, it might be advantageous to play. Any other position, maybe not so much. Yeah, I think that's a good point because – one of the things people are looking for when they're drafting, especially at quarterback, is that leadership, that dependability, that maturity. It's a totally different position, yes. Yeah, yeah. and if a quarterback sits out a bowl game, then it's looked at as, oh, he really gave up on his team. He wasn't there for him. If a, if a diva wide receiver sits out, most people are going to go, well, they're a wide receiver. You know, <laughs> that's that's how they act. Um, that's And the NFL is yeah. still a quarterback-driven league. Yeah. And as much as you hate to say it, if you don't have a top-level, top-ten quarterback – you're not going to win. Ryan Tannehill can get you to the AFC Championship game, but I don't think he can get you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I it's, agree with it's, that. It's just you could get so far with a mediocre quarterback until it's just the, your luck runs out. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I, again, I want to see them play, um, but I don't. I don't fault them for making a decision they think's best for them. And uh, but they do have to think about that. How will the NFL NFL teams view them? For doing this, Christian McCaffrey obviously worked out just fine. Uh, uh, Bosa worked out just fine. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's it's bottom line. It's, credo, it's all about who you are in life. Yeah, it, it makes yeah. a big difference. Very good point. Thank you for listening to the Sports Stove Podcast. This has been part one of our sit down NFL talk with the host of the Bottom Line Lexington Podcast. We will be dropping part two in just a few days, but hopefully until then, you'll enjoy what you've listened to so far. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Stove or on Facebook, the Sports Stove Podcast. And until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.